Greetings, my peeps, and welcome to the All Things Basketball Podcast with your boy GD. In this episode, week 14 recap, guys. I'll give you all the action that happened for week 14. Some college women's basketball, I'll talk about that. Talk about Tara Vanderveer as well. Talk about Adrian Griffin being fired from the Milwaukee Bucks. Doc Rivers coming in has his replacement. Then we'll talk about the scoring that happened last week, guys. Also, Kevin Durant. <laughs> Talking about the GOAT conversation. Also, trade last week and some other news as well. So, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, guys, it's your boy GD back with the All Things Basketball with GD podcast. And guys, we're doing our week 14 recap. We'll go through that week and all that transpired. As far as the All-Star stuff, I did a separate episode for that. Talking about the starters, the possible reserves, and my predictions. You can go check out that episode that I did. But this week, it's a lot of news actually, so... Without further delay, let's get right into it, guys. As always, we start with the players of the week, and we'll do just that. But we'll start with the West. Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns. Last week you had Kevin Durant. Now it's Devin's turn. His team, though, went 2-2 two and two for the week. They beat Chicago. They went to Dallas and beat them, a game where... Devin Booker had 46, but they lost at Indiana, a game where Devin Booker had 62. I'll talk about that later. And then 47 in a loss to Orlando in Orlando. But for the week, Devin Booker averaged 42 points. Wow. With five rebounds, 3.7 assists, 1.3 steals and a block per game. He averaged from the field, guys, nearly 64%. Now, you got to think that's pretty amazing given that he's mostly a long-distance shooter. So, definitely kudos for that. Shot at 50% from three. That's amazing as well. And then at the free throw line, he went 35 times. He missed only six. So, although the team went two and two, but Devin had a fine week individually at least. And then you have Giannis Antetokounmpo for the Milwaukee Bucks, a team that has had an interesting week. We'll talk all about that. Giannis, he went 3-1 and one for the week. They beat the likes of Detroit at Detroit. They beat Cleveland. They actually played Cleveland twice this week. Lost to them once. And then the other win was against the New Orleans Pelicans. Giannis for the week. 25 and a half points, 14 and a half rebounds, 8.3 assists, a steal and a half over a block per game, 60 and a half percent from the field. And then, of course, you know, he struggles at the free throw line, only 60 percent for him. So Giannis Antetokounmpo getting player of the week for the Eastern Conference. All right. So that's your players for the week. Now, let me turn my attention actually to women's college basketball for a quick second before I get into the NBA news. 
There was a showdown in the SEC, guys. It was the number one, the South Carolina Gamecocks, led by Dawn Staley. And they went to Baton Rouge to face the defending champions, LSU Lady Tigers. Of course, coached by Kim Mulkey. It was a tough game, guys. I watched it from pillar to post. But in the end, South Carolina gets the win. 76-70. to In a very physical game, guys. But like I said, in the end, South Carolina, they hung around, hung around. And then in that fourth quarter, they just took over. To me, guys, the difference in this game was actually twofold. The bench points. South Carolina had 16, LSU only four. In fact, they only went to two bench players in the game. It's a game where Angel Reese, she played well, but she ended up fouling out with about four minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And they just couldn't put it together to match South Carolina. So they end up losing. And then the other key factor was the backcourt. Mainly Michaela Williams, the freshman. I thought this would be a game where she was at home. She was comfortable. But that wasn't the case, guys. She shot it 5 for 18 from the field and 1 for 10 from 3. Ouch. Now, if she had made at least half of the shots there... That's a eight-point swing there for the LSU team. But the freshman under the hot lights, she didn't bring it, guys. Haley Van Lift, she had a decent game. Shot it five for 13, two for five from three, so that's fine. But I think it was more the freshman there kind of getting uh, cold feet there. And those are shots she usually knock down, guys, but not in this game. So LSU takes the loss, and... South Carolina remains undefeated, guys. And this was a game, ironically enough, where they held Camilla Cardozo and Tahina Pow Pow. Actually held those two ladies at bay. Flaw J. Johnson, I thought she did an amazing job on Pow Pow. But you had others that would step up, like Chloe Kitts. You also had Raven Johnson, Bree Hall. In the end, South Carolina team still undefeated, so props to them. And then you got to give major props to Tara Vanderveer of Stanford as she sets a all-time wins record for college coaches with 1,203. Passing Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski, in a home win versus the Oregon State team. Tara Vanderveer. One of those names, you you know about the Geno R.E.M.A.s. Of course, you know about the late, great Pat Summit. But Tar Van Der Veer is a name you don't hear prominently put out there. But she's been solid year in, year out. She's won three NCAA titles. Back in 1990, she won her first one. Then two years later in 92. And then most recently, 2021. She's coached for 42 years, guys, 37 NCAA tournament appearances, 28 conference regular season titles, 16 conference tournament champion. And then also she coached that iconic 1996 ladies team that won the gold in Atlanta. And the players that she coached throughout the years, Players like Jennifer Az, who was on that first championship team. 
Molly Guttenbauer, Val Whiting, Kate Starbird, and then in the later years, NECA and Sinead Awumake. So she had the twins there. Kiana Williams, Haley Jones, and of recent note, Cameron Brink, who's the senior there now. So Tara Vanderveer, you got to take your hat off and give her our props. So kudos to Tara Vanderveer for setting the record for all-time wins for a college coach. All right, guys, so that is the coverage of women's college basketball. Let us move on. The Milwaukee Bucks, they decided that, you know what, Adrian Griffin, thanks for all you did for the team. You did get us to a 30-13 and 13 record, but your services are no longer required. So they fire first-year coach Adrian Griffin. 43 games in, guys. One of the major reasons, the team was 22nd in defensive efficiency, which, remember... In order to get Damian Lillard, you had to deal one of your best defensive players in Drew Holiday. So you know the defense is going to suffer. We know Damian's the greatest defender. We understand that. But at least bring somebody in who can sub and kind of, or somebody you could put next to him to kind of shield him. But they weren't able to do that. So it was that. It was also rumors of a disconnect in the locker room between Griffin and the players. And that seemed to be his undoing. And then this is what I got to say in terms of Giannis Antetokounmpo. A player who was well liked amongst the players, amongst the fans. But Giannis has to be really careful, guys. Giannis has played 10 years in the league. He is now on his sixth coach in his 10-year career. Think about that, guys. He's had six coaches in 10 years as a player. Started out with Larry Drew, and then Jason Kidd, who was there for three and a half years before he was jettisoned. And then you had an interim coach come in after that. Then you bring in Mike Bootenholzer, who was there for five years. We know how it ended with him, that first round loss to Miami, them being the number one seed, and then all that Bootenholzer experienced off the court with his brother passing away. So you have that. You bring in uh, Adrian Griffin, and then now you hire Doc Rivers, who was a consultant, actually, with the team. So he was doing the ESPN work and doing a little consulting on the side, which Gilbert Arenas blast him on the nightcap show with Shannon Sharp. I heard him blasting him for that. But getting back to Giannis, he has to be really careful because from the outside looking in, he kind of having the look of a coach killer. I'll just say that. And then the fact that very next game, because they fired him after the win against the Detroit Pistons, the worst team in the East, you barely got by them. So that was when they fired Griffin. And then that following day, you and your guys go out there and do that little silly dance there. That was not a good look, not a good look at all. And then the press conference with you where you told the press you had no idea what was going on so forth, which we know is a flat-out lie. 
they're not going to make that kind of move without talking to their top tier player. And that's you, Giannis. All I'm going to say again, Giannis, be very careful. Be very careful that you don't get a reputation as being a coach killer. I'll just leave it at that. And then you had the GM, John Hurst, who said the urgency to win a chip pretty much led to Griffin's firing. It wasn't anything the players said, anything the players complained about. None of that was the case, supposedly, according to John Hirsch. We could take that with a grain of salt. So with Griffin out, you have Doc Rivers in. Doc Rivers' resume, 1,097 wins. Three more wins, he'll have 1,100 against 763 losses giving him a win percentage of 59%. He spent five years with Orlando, nine seasons with the Celtics where he won the championship, seven years he spent with the Clippers, and then with the Philadelphia 76ers, he was there for three seasons. So we know his regular season record. Postseason, 111 wins, 104 Losses, so that gives him a win percentage of 51.6%. With Doc Rivers, your pluses, you get a guy who's won a championship, albeit it's been quite a few years now since he's done that, and you get a guy who knows how to coach star players. On the minuses, you have a guy who has 10 Game 7 losses on his resume which is the most of any coach in NBA history. And also a guy who has missed the conference finals nine times and five straight times. So that combines the time he had with the Clippers as well with the 76ers. He is amongst the top 15 greatest coaches of all time. Again, those minuses are pretty glaring, guys. We have to uh, make mention of that. He's won a Coach of the Year. He's been Coach of the Month 14 times. You're getting a mixed bag here, but I heard it said also this is probably his last hurrah in terms of coaching. If he doesn't get it done with this loaded squad that he has, that's pretty much it for him. So we'll see what happens with Doc Rivers, now the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. All right, so let us move on. More coaching news, guys. Washington coach Wes Unsell Jr. is actually going upstairs to the front office. So he's no longer the head coach of the team. He coached them two and a half seasons. His record, 77 wins, 130 losses including this season where his team was 7-36, and 36, which was second worst in the East. In the interim, assistant coach Brian Keefe will now coach the team for the rest of the season. So you now have Wes Unsell Jr. moved upstairs. And you know, this season, I thought they should have a better record than what they have. But... You know, when you got this team here, bunch of young guys pretty much. Kyle Kuzma probably being the older player there. And what's crazy is they have two players there that has won NBA championships, not as the main guys, of course, 
but as key contributors. And with that, you still couldn't get anything together. Although one guy, you can make the case he's pretty much a... He's getting a bad reputation around the league as being a guy who shoots off his mouth and so forth. So you have those two guys there. You got a Tyus Jones. You got a young big in Daniel Galford, Danae Avaje, and you just acquired Marvin Backley III. So you got some young talent here. You just got to be able to mold it and get the most out of what you have there. Washington. In a rebuild mode, that's for sure, guys. So we see how they'll play down the stretch for the season. All right, so that is your coaching news. Let's move on. A lot of big scoring this week, guys. The two nights I want to highlight, Monday, January 22nd, and then Friday, January 26th. On that Monday, Joel and B, guys. This is what he did. He played 37 minutes and scored 70 points, guys. Whew. Also grabbed 18 rebounds, 5 assists, and a 133-123 to 123 win over San Antonio Spurs. In a game where he scored the 70, he did it on 24-41 of 41 shooting, and he went to the line 23 times, making 21. So Joel Embiid, a total destruction of Victor Wimbayama, who actually had a pretty good game, but it was overshadowed by the 70 points here. Wimby had 33 points, 7 rebounds, and 2 blocks, but he was outdone by Embiid, guys. So Embiid becomes the ninth player to score 70 points in a game, and he actually beats Wilt's record of 68 points. That he scored. And I know a lot of people are saying. Wait a second. Wait a second. Will Chamberlain scored 100 points. He did that with the Philadelphia Warriors. And not the Philadelphia 76ers. Big difference there. Actually. I will actually explain that. Next month. When I do my player spotlight on. Already giving way to farm. But Will Chamberlain. I'm going to do a player spotlight on him. Anyhow, Joel Embiid sets a franchise record on Monday. And then, across the country in Minnesota, Carl Anthony Towns. He goes out and in 38 minutes, he scores 62 points for the Minnesota Timberwolves, which is a franchise record. And he did that in a loss, though. 128 to 125 loss to the Charlotte Hornets. In a game where he shot 21 for 35 from the field. He made 10 threes in this game, guys. And then he went to the free throw line 14 times and made 10. So Carl Anthony Towns with a monster game. Franchise record, 62 points, but in a loss, guys. So that's Monday. That's what happened Monday on the 22nd. Let's move to Friday. Luka Doncic. He becomes the 10th player now to score 70 or more points when he scores 73 points in 45 minutes of play, guys. And his 73 points is the fourth highest point total in a game by a player, which he's tied with both David Thompson and with Wilt Chamberlain, of course. 
And in this game, he shot at 25 for 33 guys. Eight threes he made on 13 attempts. He went 15 of 16 from the free throw line. So it's the most efficient 73-point game in NBA history. And also add to that 10 rebounds and 7 assists. Which was actually a rivalry game, guys. 148 to 143. On the road versus the Atlanta Hawks. Now remember, the Atlanta Hawks and the Dallas Mavericks made that swap of Luka Doncic for Trey Young. So they count this as a rivalry game. And actually, Trey Young for the game, 30 points, 11 assists, and 3 steals, but obviously overshadowed by Luka. And I'm sure the Atlanta faithful there were like, man, we could have had this guy. But Luka goes absolutely ballistic, guys, and becomes the 10th player who scores 70 or more points in the game. And then you have Devin Booker. I mentioned earlier the 62 points he scored, did it in 38 minutes. He did it on 22 of 37 shooting, made six threes out of 12 attempts, and he was 12 of 13 from the free throw line. Add to that five rebounds, four assists, two blocks, but it's in a road loss to Indiana, 133 to 131. In a game that saw newly acquired Indiana Pacer Pascal Siakam score 31 points with seven rebounds, six assists, and two steals in that game. So Devin Booker goes off, but in a loss which, ironically, two 62-point games in the week, two losses. Go figure, guys. So that is the scoring that I wanted to cover, guys. And then speaking of Phoenix, Kevin Durant. (laughs) He's always good for a good laugh or a good mention. Kevin Durant was asked by an Arizona Republic reporter, He was asked, why isn't he mentioned in the GOAT conversation? And this is what Kevin Durant's response to that reporter was. Because I went to the Warriors. Why shouldn't I be in that? That's the question you should ask. Why not? What haven't I done? So he cites his tenure with the Golden State Warriors as a major reason why he's not in the GOAT conversation. Let me preface this first by saying... I've said it before. I'll just echo it again. I think the GOAT conversation in the NBA is the most ridiculous argument going in sports today. Again, I think the reason different eras, different styles of play, just different. So to have a GOAT, I don't indulge in that conversation. I don't even bother with that conversation. But for the sake of argument... I'll talk about it here just to kind of clear the air. So Kevin Durant wants to know why he's not in that conversation. Let's look at his resume. 15 years in the league, 13 all-star appearances, 10 all-NBAs, six times a first team, four times on the second team. So that's pretty good. Four-time scoring champ. He's 10th in points scored all-time. And you know what's funny about that? Him being the four-time scoring champ. Him being 10th on the all-time scoring list. His game high is only 55 points, guys. You would think 
a guy of his talent when it comes to scoring would have at least a 60-point game on his resume. No, he hasn't had that. He has the two championships that he won in Golden State, two finals MVP, also with Golden State, two all-star MVPs he has. He has one MVP, league MVP, that is, Rookie of the Year. He made the 75th anniversary team, and rightfully so. And he's a three-time gold medalist. So those are pretty good accolades, guys. Very good accolades. Why isn't he in that discussion? I think it's actually twofold. You want to say probably him going to the Warriors is probably a reason? I think probably so. But I think it's even bigger than that. If you took away what he did in Golden State, I know Draymond says you can't really take that away. But just for argument's sake, let's wipe that off his resume. That would lead him to have probably three less all-star appearances, three less all-NBAs. And you would have to look at his body of work with Oklahoma City Thunder, where he did get them to a finals, but they ended up losing to Miami. And then look at his stops in Brooklyn, which was an absolute failure. And with the Phoenix Suns, which is still a work in progress. So if you were to just look at that, yeah, probably he wouldn't be mentioned. But throw in the Warriors now, because he has that. Like I said, that's on his resume. But that still puts him on the outside looking in in that conversation. Why? Because the guys mostly mentioned in that conversation are multiple-time MVPs. I think the fact that he only has one actually hurts his case in that regard. Again, the go conversation to me is ridiculous. We beat it as nauseum in the basketball community. Football is only talked about in terms of quarterbacks. Baseball, you don't even hear that discussion at all. Hockey, you don't even go there because we know who the guy is in hockey, and that's Wayne Gretzky. We don't have any <laughs> debate about that. So it's just basketball where it's this back and forth. Jordan, LeBron, they even squeeze Kobe in. Kareem is mentioned. So again, to me, it's a ridiculous argument. But for the sake of this discussion, I had to bring it up. So Kevin, buddy, yeah, you're on the outside looking in in terms of that conversation. And then the thing with those guys, too, are leadership you cannot question any of those guys' leadership qualities. Kevin Durant, we can question his leadership qualities. In various stops, it seemed like he's a guy who just wants to hoop. He even said so. But those other guys, their teams look to them for leadership. So I'll just leave it at that. All right, so let us move on from that. There was a trade last week, guys. The Miami Heat acquire guard Terry Rozier. They get him from the Charlotte Hornets. And in return, they send Kyle Lowry and his expiring contract, as well as a 2027 lottery-protected first-round pick, which can convey if, of course, that pick is a lottery pick and it's unprotected in the year of 2028. So the Miami Heat looking to add a piece. They do that in Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier is a guy who can light it up. 
Make no mistake about that. In 30 games this season, he averaged over 23 points per game, 6.6 assists, nearly 4 rebounds, and over a steal per game. He also shoots it nearly 46% from the field, nearly 36% from three, and 85.5% from the free throw line. So Terry Rozier, a guy who would definitely help them, that's for sure. He's a guy who I guess now will be the point guard over there. I think it's going to take him some time to get acclimated with the team over there. But Terry Rozier, definitely a good pickup for them. But I don't know. I think Miami needs something else as well. So we'll see what happens with Miami. And, of course, you need Jimmy Butler healthy for crying out loud. And, of course, Tyler Hero as well. So Miami makes a move. In terms of the Charlotte side, you know, they get that first-round pick. It could convey, it could not, depending on how Miami finishes in a few years from now. But Kyle Lowry, they're saying that they're not going to buy him out. They're going to hold on to him, maybe try and move him at the trade deadline. Maybe somebody wants that expiring contract, that money there, so it can fall off the books next year. So we'll see what happens. So that is your trade for last week. A couple more items and then we're done. Therese Halliburton, he's set to miss the next three games after he made his return back to the lineup, guys. He did that against Portland, but now he's going to be out three more games with that hamstring. So it seems like the hamstring always seemed to bother Halliburton. We'll see how things go with that. And then the last item, Tristan Thompson. I even know he was still playing, guys. But he's there with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's going to be suspended 25 games without pay for using a banned substance. So Tristan Thompson, he gets the 25-game ban. Definitely a hit to his pockets. So we'll see what happens with Tristan when the dust settles. All right, guys, so that is it for me. Week 14 is in the books now. Looking ahead, All-Star Reserves should be announced this week. So I'll cover that. I'll see how many of my predictions, guys, I predicted how many of them make the squad or not. We'll see. And we're coming up on February, which is Black History Month, guys. So I got kind of a lineup there. I'm looking at Wilt Chamberlain right now as one person I'll cover. Alex English will be another person I want to cover. One other person, I haven't decided yet. And then I will have one lady baller. I think right now I'm leaning towards Tamika Catchings. Yeah, so there'll be those three and then a surprise player. Maybe I'll leave the surprise player for the end of February. All right, guys, so that is it. I thank you for listening as always. Your listenership is always appreciated. Always welcome. Reviews, guys. Leave reviews on the website. Leave it on YouTube. Leave it on Apple Podcasts. Like the video on YouTube. Like it there because we welcome feedback. Feedback is nice. Feedback is great. This way we know how we're doing. All right, guys. So that is it. I thank you for listening as always. And we'll talk soon. Take care. Hello, my peeps. 
Thank you for listening and supporting the All Things Basketball with GD podcast. You can find us on our website, allthingsbasketballwithgd.com. You can also email us at thatsportsdugd at gmail.com. Also listen and watch us on YouTube, All Things Basketball GD. Hit the like button when you see our videos. Also write a blurb about our show. You can listen to us on all podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple. Leave a review for us at Apple. On the website, you can support us by hitting the Buy Me A Coffee button, support on Anchor button, or donate on PayPal. You can also support us by our cash app, GD That Sports Dude. Once again, I thank you for listening and supporting the show, and do take care.